The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. This week, we've seen scuffles at Racket Hall in Ross Cray between Gardaí and protesters as 16 asylum seekers, women and children, tried to seek refuge there. Phrases like Ross Cray is full, plantation and scam has been used by protesters. Why is it that many people have fallen for these slogans? David Robert Grimes, author of The Irrational Ape, subtitled Why We Fall for Disinformation, Conspiracy Theories and Propaganda, has tried to debunk protesters' conspiracies. Henry McKean sent us this report. My name is David Robert Grimes. I'm a scientist and author, and I study conspiracy theories and misinformation. When we take slogans like Ross Cray is full, where do phrases like that come from? So Ross Cray is full seems to be an adaptation of something that's been used by the hard right in Ireland for several years now. And the implication it's supposed to give is that we're at full capacity in Ireland and we don't have enough for our own people, therefore we should have nothing for, for refugees and immigrants. That's firstly false. It's not a zero-sum game. You can balance things for everything. But it's also, given that we have one of the lowest population densities in Europe, um, and the Irish have such a history of being immigrants, there's something smackingly hypocritical and historically ignorant about it. Is this movement here to stay? It's certainly worrying how long it has lasted, because it, 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 we're, we're hearing about it now, but this has been percolating under the surface for quite some time, and they've had quite some time to work on their messaging. So remember, a lot of these groups, and we saw it after the Dublin riots, were connected by telegram channels or WhatsApp channels, end-to-end encrypted messaging with many hundreds of people, sharing these memes, these slogans, and codifying them. And again, an example, using plantation there, that again is associated with the Ireland is full hashtag for a long time. And it is, again, another historical manipulation, a historically illiterate manipulation of, of what happened to contextualize it for an Irish audience. But we need to look at this misinformation in a wider context, because it's not just happening in Ireland. In Germany and German language sources, you're getting very similar slogans. We're seeing it when the um, hard right around Europe are mobilizing in a big way. And now they are sharing this information and contextualizing it and localizing it for different groups. So what we're seeing in Ireland is a localization of stuff that's also happening in Germany and Sweden and the Netherlands and pretty much any European country you can name at the moment. I met elderly people, retired people who said they no longer trust the mainstream media. Why has that trust gone? Why do a small amount of people no longer trust the mainstream? And I suppose we in News Talk were included in that. The word trust is misleading here. Because actually you're not supposed to trust a news source. You're supposed to check that their reporting is valid. They're not doing that. So the sources they are using usually cater to their prejudices. They are going on to Telegram or X or certain channels on TikTok or whatever social media platform they like and finding messages that resonate with them. So when they say they don't trust the mainstream media, what they mean is they don't like what they're being presented with on those channels, which for all the faults of what we call traditional media, they do have some obligation to fact check. They have some, they have rules. There's a penalty if you misreport. You can be taken up and you can be fined or sued over it. None of these restrictions exist on social media platforms. And people who message on these cater to their audience. So often when I hear I don't trust the mainstream media, what I'm actually hearing is I have a prejudice that I would like to see catered. And now in the 21st century, I can have whatever prejudice I want catered for, regardless of the veracity underneath it. So that shows they either don't understand or they have poor media literacy or that they have their own prejudices that they're just trying to cater to. It's lowest common denominator stuff. If you go in the attack, 
you can always rally a bunch of people behind you. So that's one of the reasons. Where is it actually going is a much tougher question. Uh, years ago, there was, I think, a mistaken attitude in a lot of Irish people that we were somehow um, immune to the hard right problems that, say, the UK were experiencing or the US, that Ireland was too welcoming a country or whatever else. And I think what we saw with the Dublin riots, what we're seeing with immigrant and refugee centres being burnt down and people being intimidated and that, that we need to shake ourselves out of this. We're not immune to that. This will lead to violence. It already has led to violence and the violence will intensify. What you'll also see is increased polarisation. At the moment, these people, as violent and, and, and unsavoury as they can be, they don't have a political home. There may be the emergence of a, of a, a codified Irish hard right party. Uh, we may end up in the situation that, say, Germany faced now, where Alternative for Deutschland have a substantial amount of political sway. Uh, there are lessons. History doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. We need to look in the situation we're in right now and compare ourselves to people in the 1920s in Europe who thought that things like fascism couldn't possibly rise or get any bearing. They can, and we need to be diligent towards it and also really react against and show them Irish people actually don't want this en masse. Um, and the violence will be the, the outcome, unfortunately, to some extent. And we need to not only prepare for that, but be ready to take action against the people that would in instigate that violence. Philip, you're here at Racket Hall. Uh, what brought you down here today? Uh, I'm uh, Philip Dwyer's citizen journalist. I've been covering events like this for at least three years now. Uh, trying to expose the truth about what's really happening with the migration scam that's going on in the country. Um, this, is no, this is not about uh, uh, humanity or this is not about compassion for people uh, suffering from, from trauma and fleeing war. Uh, this is clearly people trafficking that's going on all over the country. Philip, you're not from the area. I'm not from Tipperary either. Yeah. Um, you're from the outside. You're coming in from the outside. What's your view on that? I'm from Ireland. Uh, there's blood on the soil there where we're standing. We're all, all our ancestors fought for this country to have freedom of movement, freedom of speech. And so what I do is, is like support the people who are fighting against their communities being destroyed by this uh, people trafficking. I get concerned when people bring up that subject of that you're not from the area. Okay, I don't need a passport. You don't need a passport to go around this country and report. The same way as you don't. You're not, you're, I don't care where you're from. You have a right to stand here and report on what you're doing. I may not like your reporting on what you do in, in news talk, but at the same time, you have a right to do it. So, in other words, when people ask me that, these are the people that I worry about that aren't really against this people trafficking. They're trying to um, dehumanise you. They're trying to deperson you, decancel because you're not from the area. I'm just trying to report the truth of what's going on. David, we've just had a listen to Philip there. What did you think of Philip's comments? So a lot of what Philip is saying wouldn't be new to me. These are very uh, common tropes. For example, if you claim to be a journalist, but then you go in there saying, I'm here to suppose to scam and use loaded words like that, you're not starting from a position of neutrality to investigate a story. You're starting with the conclusion. We're here because there's a transmigration of people into Ireland and it's a new plantation that's happening. We've gone through our history with England, the, uh, the plantations and the colonisation of, of, of by England and now it's happening all over again. This time, because of the European Union, Ireland has no power, no say whatsoever in the matter. It's the European Union, it's a central federal control process and they are dictating to us, take all the people. And where did you travel from? 
uh, Port Leash. So not too far? Not too and far. What, why did you come? Goodwill with the people and we form a community and the bigger the community, the more power we'll have because the government are ignoring our plight. We've just heard a man from, from Leash there. What did you think of what he had to say? What is entirely wrong is to not only single out a single people for blame here, but also to construct a conspiracy theory around them, like they're being shipped in to keep the common man down. What would the point of that even be? What kind of new world order, European or not, would ever do that? It makes no sense. So it doesn't explain anything. And yet this is common with conspiracy theories. They tend to scapegoat a subgroup, in this case immigrants or refugees. How do we get the message through to him that perhaps he's got it all wrong? So there is some good research on changing mindsets, and it is quite difficult to do. It depends how far down the rabbit hole you are. If someone is flirting with some of these ideas, you can have discussions with them and give them alternatives. You can say, well, look, you say this and I would suggest this. And that can work very effectively, kind of Socratic dialogue. It gets much harder when people are willing to go out of their town to join these protests, which means they're already quite far down that conspiratorial narrative. They usually have a community built around it, so they have a rake of other people around them reinforcing their narrative. And if you come in as uh, an interloper to say, I I don't think your ideas are correct, you will be denigrated as an agent of a state or an agent of a conspiracy. So it's self-isolating, insulating. But it's easier to do with, say, we have family members or friends who are maybe flirting with some of these ideas to go, maybe not to, to castigate it for them, but say to them, okay, where are you getting that from? And, and tell me why you think that, and I'm going to give you why I think that's not true. So you can plant the seed of doubt then on, on a bad idea, and hopefully they will come. As, as I say now, and I've said in my book, and I've said it several times, no one changes anyone else's mind. You can just give people the tools to change their own mind. And in this case, we need to get earlier prevention to prevent people getting that far down the rabbit hole that they become impervious to the intrusions of reality. And what's your book called again? It's called The Irrational Ape, Why We Fall for Disinformation, Conspiracy Theory and Propaganda. So maybe a bit of a timely title, unfortunately. Written pre-pandemic as well, which is the worst part. That was David Robert Grimes uh, talking there to Henry McKean. The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am. On News Talk.